People like to have fun during the holidays. You know what's not fun? Returning an ugly sweater. Don't give anyone an ugly sweater this year. Give choice gift cards from giftcards.com instead, and they can pick their own sweater from some of their favorite brands. It's genius. For the ones going above and beyond. For the ones reaching out, helping out, and lending a hand. For the ones people count on. You can count on Granger. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, backed by 24/7 customer support and specialists to help with hard-to-find products. Because you've got everyone's back, we've got yours. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Oh, there's nothing quite like the smell of fresh blood upsets in the month of March. The 12-5 stunners, the 11-over-6 buzzer beaters. But most of the time, what do you get for that? A dash of I told you so at the water cooler? Oh, look at my bracket. I nailed that one. Great. Wouldn't you rather get paid instead? At mybookie.ag, you can and you will. The 12-5 upset when betting with mybookie is a take-your-girl-out-to-steak-dinner winner-winner. And right now, when you sign up for an account, MyBookie will match your deposit with a 50% bonus. Here, just have 50% more. Why not? Use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, at MyBookie.ag to activate. We're all going to be in office pools, and that's fine. Nobody's going to get the perfect bracket. We know that. But you can make a killing at tournament time by seeing the big mistake coming and pouncing. So let's go, people. My bookie will match your deposit with a 50% bonus. Use promo code ZABE to activate the offer. You play, you win, you get paid. Only at mybookie.ag. Today on the ZABEcast, the one-and-done era is coming to a close in college basketball. What will be the effect on the college game, and how will the NBA greenroom programs like Duke and Kentucky react? Andy Poland joins me to discuss who is the Forrest Gump of TV sports broadcasting, plus the desperate botched negotiation between Bryce Harper and the Nats' ownership. All of that, plus Stewie was right all along. Matthew McConaughey, you really are the worst. Bonus 1% me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. Oh, here we go. Tuesday, April 2nd, 2019. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. Yes, yesterday on the show, I said it was Monday, April 2nd. That was not a April Fool's joke. That was merely a slip of the mind. I had Vegas brain going on and, uh, you know, didn't remember that March has 31 days. You know, there's a rhyme for that, Zabe. I know, but I can never remember it. Yeah, but that's the point. The rhyme helps you remember. 30 days, half November, April, October, and December. Something like that. I don't care. I'll, I'll look at the calendar or not look at the calendar and get the month and the day wrong. Nobody died. Uh, there was no major glitch, no major glip glitch like there was with the air, excuse me, with the air traffic system in, uh, on Monday morning, April, there was an April fools. Oh yeah. This sucks for you. Apparently this software program called Aero balance or something like that, um, had gone on the fritz. And so therefore, uh, they couldn't run airplanes, so there was tons of delays 
on Monday morning because a software program went on the fritz that helps balance out passengers and cargo and luggage on commercial flights. What a sucky way to begin the week. What a sucky way to begin April. Just like I had a sucky way to begin April because I'm driving down the road to lunch on Monday and all of a sudden out of nowhere, wham, the loudest smack on my windshield ever. It had to be about a golf ball sized rock hit my windshield and left a giant crack mark. Luckily, it's in the corner of my windshield, so I can ignore it for some time while I procrastinate in terms of getting it fixed. But it's going to suck because I need a new windshield. This is not a crack you can fix or seal. I need a new windshield. And of course, my Hyundai Genesis 2010, it's a 10, not an 11, it's got damn near 200,000 miles. It's been the best vehicle I've ever owned. It's paid off, has been paid off for some time, still rides beautifully. It's got some dents and some dings that I wish it didn't have, but I'm not going to spend money to fix them. Maybe I should just get a new car. Anyone out there recommend a new car? Uh, if so, let me know. Let me know what car you have that you really, really love. My buddy Want Account Roads is a fellow car whore. And loves to get a new car every couple of years. That's why he leases. I can't really lease because I drive a bit too much. Although nowadays I may actually be able to get into leasing. But that said, um, there's no there's no car that right now blows my skirt up, so to speak. I would get the new Genesis G80 in a heartbeat. And I'm looking at some deals online for a used one coming off lease, only 30,000 miles, 2017 G80 for like $28,000. I mean, what a steal. This car rides like a fifty dollars to $60,000 BMW 5 Series. It's incredible. Or I'll just get the uh, window fixed. Of course, I have insurance. Well, don't you have insurance? That'll pay for it. Yeah, deductible. That's the biggest scam going. I'm paying you hundreds of dollars a month for insurance. And I go month after month after month after month after month of no, no claims, no claims, safe driver, no claims, safe driver, no claims. And you're getting paid, getting paid, getting paid. Hey, a rock just hit my window. I need a new window. Guess what? You're paying for it. Guess why? I've got insurance. Uh, yeah, sir, you're, you're, you're deductible here is $500. So uh, we've got everything beyond $500. No, why don't you get it all? I know I could get a policy with zero deductible. That'd be nice. I've heard commercials for so-called vanishing deductible. You go a certain number of years, you have no accidents, then there's no deductible. Maybe I should call my insurance agent. How about this? What can you do about a car, about a truck? Usually a dump truck that does not have its payload covered correctly Or, in this case, it was a cement truck that I am 1,000% positive, although I cannot prove it, that this rock the size of a Titleist came flying off of and hit me square in the windshield because it was the vehicle in front of me. I wasn't even tailgating it that close, but it was 50 feet in front of me. It had to be from that dump truck. Could it have been a rock that was on the highway 
that the dump truck, when it ran over the rock, kicked it up and spun it up off its tires and flung it into my windshield? Yeah, could have been. More likely, though, it was probably a chunk of hardened concrete that came flying off the truck and damaged my vehicle. Why can't you tail a truck that does that to you? Call the police on your cell phone. Keep following the truck and say, I'm westbound here on Route 7. I need you to be uh, at the Hamilton exit, and I want you to issue this asshole a ticket because he didn't clean out his cement chute, and he just put this mark on my car. Can't do that because I couldn't prove it. Couldn't prove that it was him. Just another sucky start to a Monday. Andy Poland is going to join us here in just a second. A quick thought, though, on one and done in college basketball and the NBA. The one and done rule is going to go away in 2022, according to the NBA. The NBA, much like the NFL, they're the ones, they're the dog that wags the tail. Colleges have no say in what the rule is in terms of when you can or cannot go pro. The NFL has three and done as their rule. You can't go pro before your junior season or before your junior class graduates. And that is because the NFL believes that they just they don't know if you're physically and emotionally mature enough to handle a man's league like the National Football League until you're at least three years into college football. Some would say that's too much and that there are kids who are 18, 19, 20 who could make it in the NFL. Maybe. The NFL's position, though, is that, well, we'd rather not. So guess what? Here's our rule. And they have been challenged in court numerous times, and they have prevailed every time. The most recent one was Maurice Claret. Not the ideal guy to challenge it because he turned out to be a drunken dickhead who was not serious about his pro career. But the NFL has withstood all legal challenges, and they're allowed to set their rules about when you know how old you have to be to get into the league. NBA decided they would at least move it to one and done because it was becoming ridiculous that these kids coming out of high school who were clearly NBA talent, so they had to be drafted by somebody in the first round, were getting thrown into the league, were not getting a whole lot of minutes to start. They weren't getting coaching either. Oh, by the way, that's the biggest thing. High school kids that are good enough to go straight to the pros are so good that they dominate the shit out of their high school conference and league, put up insane stats. They don't dominate as much in AAU basketball, but then again, they don't have any structure in AAU basketball. Their high school coach may be pretty good, but you're not getting really high-level coaching in high school. So it's only when you go to college and you get coached up by an Izzo or a Bennett or a Shashevsky or a Calipari that you get some actual high-level coaching. And that's important because once you're in the pros, you're also – you may get some coaching, but the NBA is not a coach's league. And it's certainly not a teaching league either. And on top of that, they don't practice in the NBA. Just like Allen Iverson once said, practice. We talking about practice. You get in the NBA, you practice a little bit in preseason. Then the season begins and it's game, travel, game, game, travel, game, home, game, travel. Some practices, some shoot-arounds, not a lot of real instructional stuff. And so I think, 
I think college player, I think players that are NBA talent that at least go to college for one year, they benefit from it, no question about it. But the NBA has said, eh, guess what? We're going to get rid of the one and done. We're just going to let kids who want to come out pro do so right out of high school. How will that affect the college game? Well, it's too bad because players, you know, once every 20-year talents like Zion Williamson will not be going to, high, to college anymore. We won't get to see him on, you know, March Madness stage. That said, the uniforms will be the same. The fans will still cheer wildly. We'll still have the come on and watch some basketball music. Teams will look more like Michigan State and Virginia and less like Duke and Kentucky. And that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. I'm going to be just okay with it. But Mike Krzyzewski has said that he hopes the uh, NCAA has a plan in place for the sport. In fact, here's Coach K's quote. The NBA will be well prepared. The NCAA is not prepared right now. They need to be in concert with the NBA in developing a plan that is specific for men's college basketball. And that should include what an athlete gets, how he's been taken care of, whether or not there's a re-entry of something. It's really, really deep, he says. If we only look at it shallow, then we're doing a disservice to the kids. It sounds like Coach K has flipped, like Dick Vitale, to the dark side of Billis and believes that college kids should get paid somehow, some way. We shall see. Time to talk to our man, Andrew Poland. Hello. Do you know who is the Forrest Gump of sports broadcasting? In other words, the guy who has been at every, seemingly every major earth-shaking, oh my God, holy shit moment in sports. Les Grobstein. <laughs> Les Grobstein, a longtime radio reporter in Chicago for WLS, WOR. Maybe he's worked for all of them. Who knows? All of them. And he's, he's the one that recorded the Lee Elia rant. Exactly right. Of which, by the way, I have a side note. So I'm trying to clean out my basement and I come across this uh, Lee Elia promotional signed baseball that was sent to the station. Right. <laughs> yeah. And the and and it, and it came in a glass case and the yep. base of this Lee Elia baseball, which was signed uh, Lee Elia take it downtown and print it, which was in that rant about all these so-called fucking fans of ours. On the base of this glass case, which has a little uh, acrylic clear hand that holds the baseball in it, is a tiny speaker with a small button. And when you press the button, it's Lee Elia's voice recreating a small portion of of that particular rant. Oh, that is great. I mean, it has, I think, one of the great rant lines, maybe the best ever, when he says 85% of the world is working, the other 15% come down here to boo us. <laughs> I think he threw in, well, here, let's take a listen to the rant right now. 
So yeah. So so I have this this piece of memorabilia, and it is a genuine Lee Ely signed baseball, and it does have a crystal case, a little plastic acrylic case that plays him saying the rant. Although, as I listened to it, Andy, I realized it was him recreating it because he doesn't own the audio. I thought Les sold the rights. Wasn't he involved in promoting that? I it was clearly not the original rant because I've heard uh, and played bad. the original yeah. rant too many times. It was him just recreating it. Maybe he didn't want to pay the fee or whatever the case is. Bottom line, net net is I'm ready to throw it away. <laughs> unless somebody <laughs> unless somebody really wants it, I just want it out of my fucking house. Because as I looked at it, I said, okay, it's a nice footnote in history, but we're not talking about a Casey Stengel signed baseball. This is not a Billy Martin signed baseball. This is not a Tommy Lasorda signed baseball. This is Lee fucking Elia, a failure manager who went off on reporters one day. I've got the rant. I've heard the rant. This baseball means nothing to me. Well, it might mean something to somebody in Chicago. I know it might. And and I then said, well, I could go ahead and get it a good home by putting it up on the website or on Twitter saying, whoever yeah. wants this, send me PayPal me some money. I'll mail it to you. Right, but guess right, what? Right. That takes work, and in me throwing it away takes no work. No, it does, but at some point, you might meet somebody from Chicago and say, boy, I wish I could hear that Lee Ilya rant, and I really love that. And if, God, if I, if I knew somebody who had a signed Lee Ilya baseball, God knows what I'd pay. <laughs> anyway, if you really want that Lee Ilya baseball, I haven't thrown it away yet, and I can get it to no. you. If you reimburse me for the shipping and uh, handling, I want a handling fee, as they say. I want five bucks for taking five minutes to throw it in a box and mail it to you. All right. So there well, you go. You, you know that I, I moved about a year ago, so I became very proficient in throwing things out. And the last thing I want to do is take your junk and make it my junk. I know. How good does it feel, though? to finally really slim down. You've done this twice when you were ready to sell your house the first time, but didn't, you threw out a lot yeah. of stuff. And then when you did not move, that much, but, but relatively to this time, I, you, you get to the point where you are actually throwing away things that are still of use, still relatively new, but to just get rid of them, it's worth it. Yeah. Cause you don't want to go through the trouble of, Oh, take it to goodwill. Oh, yeah. Could donate it here. It j- it's too much hassle. And you feel very, First world wasteful, right? right. You're like, but these things are useful it. things. <laughs> oh, you get yeah. over it. Good. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I am, I am, I am in the mode now. I've turned 50, Andy. Kids mm-hmm. are uh, getting through the system. The youngest daughter is going to yeah. be going off to college in a year and a half. I am mm-hmm. envisioning a very lean possession existence. All I really need is my golf clubs, my televisions, my cameras, and my computers. That's about it. But the, the question is, are you going to downsize your home or are you going to keep that palatial estate? Uh, that's going to be a good conversation with Mrs. C. Uh-huh. And by good conversation, yeah. I mean interesting. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I love it when the Pepco bills come now and oh, uh, when I, go to pay the mortgage and the taxes. Oh, Andy! <laughs> oh, and, and, and our recent HVAC service appointment said, oh, you're going to need a new unit. And then oh. they started quoting us, and I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. 
Oh, anyway, yeah. yeah. We, we continue How long have you been there? You haven't been in that house that ten, long, have you? Ten years. They say ten years is about the lifespan of a, of a unit. Plus, you <sighs> learn about a certain thing called builder grade. And oh, we didn't, right. We didn't right. know that when we bought the place, that it was oh, yeah, builder yeah. grade. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, because by the time it goes bad, the builder's long gone. Uh, right, exactly. <laughs> They don't use the best stuff. They use the cheapest stuff. Okay. Let's talk uh, NCAA tournament. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? What a good weekend we had. Oh, it it was tremendous. And the, you know, it's a weird position to be in, in that having grown up a Maryland fan and having watched all the great rivalry games, it's in a sense, good to see Duke go, but Zion Williamson was mesmerizing. He is amazing, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's he's going to be a great pro, but he won't be as dominant as a pro as he was as a college player. And just seeing him do some of the things that he was able to do, I'm telling you, I've, I've always felt that David Thompson was the best college basketball player I ever saw. And he rivals Thompson. I, I, I just I, the, the strength and the speed quickness. and the quickness. You and just it's just not no combination I've ever seen like that. And fluidity late in the game. I think one of the last couple of buckets that Duke had, he goes dribble drive left hand through traffic left of the lane, does one of those things where as he's taking his steps, he covers up the basketball with his arm to keep it from getting stripped. And then goes up and lays it in left-handed like it was no big deal. He displayed guard-like skill set in a body that is 6'8 and packed dense at a very heavy 280. He does look a little doughier now than he did to start the season. I don't know what that's all about. Maybe it's just me. I don't think he's a true four in the NBA. His shot's not good enough to be a stretch four. I think, Andy, he's going to be a power three which is not even a position, but I'm going to make it up right now here on this podcast, a power three. In other words, a rugged, physical, tough-to-guard small forward. Yeah, I mean, he, he's got some some Barkley in him. I don't think he's got the flair that Barkley has, but he certainly has unbelievable skills around the basket, and for a guy six seven. I still think he can be successful getting inside because a lot of it has to do with positioning. Yeah. And he's able to get position. And once he makes his move, as you say, the, the fluidity to the basket, you, you just get out of the way. It's a, it's a runaway train. Yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, he was fun to watch. There's no question about it. And if you hate Duke like you did growing up and living in Maryland, yeah. it, you kind of put that aside somehow. You compartmentalize that so you can appreciate a great talent who – People are now complaining, well, this one-and-done rule is going away. We'll never see another Zion again. Yeah, unfortunately, but that's just life, right? Yeah, yeah. you'll see You'll see good college basketball. Look, I mean, the teams that have made it to the Final Four, they're loaded with upperclassmen. Yeah. You know, when it, th- those, are, those are the winning teams. I mean, Cassius Winston is his name. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's a great college player. Now, he may be just an average pro or maybe a two-year pro, whatever. But as a college player, he's a great player, yeah. and nothing wrong with watching him. And and also, you you have in this tournament the great black hat in Auburn. Uh, oh, Bruce Pearl. We'll get so into Bruce great. Pearl. Let's get into Bruce Pearl in just a second. I need to loop back though. When I asked you the opening question of who is the Forrest Gump of sports broadcasting, I actually had in mind this guy, our friend and uncle Vern Lundquist. 
Because oh, I was you're talking about uh, oh, the television broadcast, the biggest events. Oh, yeah. Because no I had forgotten. And I'm going to get into this now with you. I, in, a, in a bit of getting carried away on Saturday night, I declared Purdue, Virginia, the best tournament game ever and was yeah. quickly shouted down by people saying 92 Kentucky Duke. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, right. whatever. And then I went and did the research on it. But when I, was, when I was watching the game today from 92, which exists on YouTube, in very mm-hmm. good quality under the NCAA's own YouTube channel for free. When I was watching right. the game, my first thought was, oh, fuck, that's right. It was Vern. And here was Vern Lundquist's call, Andy, on that final basket by Christian Leitner in which he went 10 for 10 from the line, 10 from 10 from the floor, and avoided getting ejected for stomping on Amino Timberlake. Here's the call from Uncle Vern. You know, one of the things I've seen Duke do in the past in situations like this is try for the quick pass to half court and call a quick timeout so they can get in better shooting range. There's the pass to Leitner. Puts it up. Yes! Now, I'd let the audio of him not saying anything play even longer, but I don't want to waste 75 seconds. That's how long it was that Vern Ludquist laid out and let the director do his job. In fact, I called up a Richard Sandomir article from the New York Times Mm -hmm. that the headline was, and this is March of 92, a moment of silence on CBS says a lot. And it's yep. a whole story about Vern laying out for that. It was Vern and Len Elmore that day. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean the the great ones do that. The uh, you know the the famous call by Vin Scully of uh, of the home run in the World Series by um, Jack Clark, eighty eight World Series. No, or no, eighty eight uh, World. This is World uh, Series. Kirk Gibson. Kirk Gibson, yes, where where he. He says, in a a year of the improbable, the impossible has happened. Then he went and got a cup of coffee. And that that would have been four years before. So I I give all the credit to Vern for knowing what to do there. But the standard was kind of set by by Scully uh, at that time. And and that's what the other thing I would say about Vern is, is not just he was there for the big events. He knew exactly what to say. And one of his best calls was actually done on radio when Jackie Smith dropped the touchdown pass in the Super Bowl, and he said he's got to be the sickest man in America. Now, a very, very small percentage of the people consuming the Super Bowl that year ever heard that call because they would only have to be list- – the only ones who heard it would have been listening to local radio in Dallas of the game. And, you know, by and large, most people – So Vern, Vern was the Cowboys play-by-play man, and that was Super yeah. Bowl what number? It would have been uh, 13, I believe. Against the Steelers? Yes. Okay. And Jackie Smith, tight end for the Cowboys, ended up dropping a pass as he kind of slid on his butt in the end zone wide open, and the pass Mm -hmm. hit him right in the sternum, and it caromed off, and the Cowboys went on to lose the game, right? Yeah, they uh, wound up kicking a field goal, but they lost the game by four. Right. And and the radio call, and you may have heard it if you've uh, watched NFL films, 
is of Vern Lundquist saying he's got to feel like the sickest man in America. And like you said, you wouldn't have heard that other than the fact it was the perfect and efficient words for the moment, which Vern is a master at. And therefore, that call has been dubbed onto NFL highlights and NFL films footage since that time. So that's a very good point by you. But So you got that play. You've got him saying, yes, sir, at the Masters in 86 Mm -hmm. for Nicholas. You got him saying, in your life on 16 when Tiger Woods did the circus chip shot that rolled in after hanging on the lip. You've got him Mm -hmm. doing the kick six for Auburn against Alabama in the Iron Bowl. He was at Leitner's shot in Kentucky Duke, probably at a number of other events that I just don't even have at my fingertips. There was a time he did uh, bowling on local television in Dallas. (laughs) Bowling. Well, I don't know if there's any great moments from that, but still. (laughs) I don't know, but, you know, and he he said the first – I think he's the greatest uh, radio play-by-play for football I've ever heard. Radio play-by-play. Okay. When he was doing the Cowboy games, he and Brad Sham, Brad Sham did the color. They wouldn't do it this way now, but in those days Brad was a broadcaster, not a former player. And I thought they were an unbelievable team. But Vern's first professional football game that he ever saw, he broadcast. He managed to get himself hired by the Cowboys. He was doing high school football in some small town in Texas. And the right tape wound up in the right hands. And he got the job. And first game he ever did, probably an exhibition game. But it was yeah. that was the first NFL game he ever saw. Speaking of announcers, I'm going to play for you right now the play for UVA that saved their season, which I'll tell more about. The uh, Jerome, Ty Jerome miss the Mamadou Diakite tip out. And then the uh, Kihei Clark pass back to Diakite for the buzzer beater. Here was the call from Brian Anderson with Chris Weber on CBS. Now, you'll notice in that he says for the win when, in fact, it was only for the tie. And I know Brian Anderson. I don't know him personally, but I know how good he is. I know he does the Brewer games and all that. He's been around. I guarantee you he's sick about that. All good good play-by-play men are sick when they make a little mistake like that. But in the moment, it was such a crazy play. You're like, oh, my God, what's happening? And in theory, had say, Kihei Clark shot from beyond you know half court, it would have been for the win. But it was yeah. the pass yeah, well, inside the three-point line that made it then for the tie. Yeah, what I, a play. I, I, what a play. I was, talk, I was talking to Pete Strickland uh, over the weekend. Uh, he played college basketball at Pitt, played at DeMatho, was a longtime assistant head coach. He said the presence of mind of that kid to make that pass rather than to try and throw one up from what would right. have been close to half court for the win – was a guy who was incredibly well coached. I mean, that's that's the instinct is not to do that. Well, not and, only and not only that, but that. he he combined Andy the ability to hustle his ass off because he yep. had to book ass into the back court to go get it. When some players might have looked at it like, "Oh shit, I'm never going to get that," and then they hesitate a step, and then by that point, it's done. You're over. He takes yep. after it right away. So he's hustling 
but then doesn't panic. To combine those two athletic qualities, to be quick and hustle without panicking then mentally is amazing because not only did he catch and turn in a second with the clock running down, he was able to see Diakite in the best shooting position while both their other shooters, which would be Jerome and Guy, asking for the ball near midcourt. If you watch that play, they're like this with their hands. And right. Clark ignores both of them to find Diakite. And the Diakite is calm enough to catch and shoot without panicking, unlike the kid for Virginia Tech who panicked in midair on what was almost an alley-oop to tie to. Yeah, but he had... He had Zion breathing on him, so I think that I can't really blame him too well, much for that. Well, there was that, but I, it looked like he tried to volleyball it when he had one yeah. second and change. He should have caught and shoot. He would have been just fine. Hell of a play, and it turns out, I thought that uh, that they that they missed intentionally, but apparently Jerome said no. It was not intentional. So they would have had a foul. I guess they could have. Yeah, and, you know, played it out that way. But there was five point six. There was 5.6. They were going to go ahead and try to make two to cut it to one and yeah. then foul. And if they make two, then obviously you've got, you've got four seconds left then to try to get a, a, a three to win the or to tie the game. Yeah, yeah. Even if they make know. two That's... and if they only make one. And boy, Andy, that would have been very convenient for those of us who had Purdue <laughs> plus four and a half <laughs> and watched – an unbelievable confluence of events unfold to fuck us out of that ticket. Yeah. This Bad is beats. why you never, never gamble, gamble. Anthony. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, uh, great games and the final four, you know, it would have been better if it had, had Duke and Kentucky yeah. for the average casual fan, but I'm looking forward to it. Even if nobody knows anything about Texas tech. Yeah, it's a great event. Uh, I've, I've been to several of them. I, I never miss it. It's I, Here's the thing about college basketball, which uh, people say, oh, you go to bed early. No, it's so consumable because of the length of the games. Two and a half and, hours. Yeah, even less, really. I mean, some of these games are like two hours. Really? And, and it allows you oh, – turn that off one second, sorry. <laughs> Is that your uh, cell phone? That it sounds allows, like an that. By the way, Andy, that sounds like an old Commissioner Gordon bat phone. That ring. Yeah. What a ringtone yeah. you have on your phone. Well, I thought if it's if it's going to ring, it should ring, right? <laughs> that phone is that phone sounds like the assignment desk phone at the Washington <laughs> Post in 1982. Get me rewrite. <laughs> oh, there's nothing quite like the smell of fresh blood. Upsets in the month of March. The 12-5 stunners, the 11-over-6 buzzer beaters. But most of the time, what do you get for that? A dash of I told you so at the water cooler? Oh, look at my bracket. I nailed that one. Great. Wouldn't you rather get paid instead? At mybookie.ag, you can and you will. The 12-5 upset when betting with my bookie is a take-your-girl-out-to-steak-dinner winner-winner. And right now, when you sign up for an account, MyBookie will match your deposit with a 50% bonus. Here, just have 50% more. Why not? Use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, at MyBookie.ag to activate. We're all going to be in office pools, and that's fine. Nobody's going to get the perfect bracket. We know that. But you can make a killing at tournament time by seeing the big mistake coming and pouncing. 
So let's go, people. My bookie will match your deposit with a 50% bonus. Use promo code ZABE to activate the offer. You play, you win, you get paid. Only at mybookie.ag. All right, go ahead about these games and the product. No, I just think the way like, four games going at once, okay? Uh, you can, you can, they stagger them. So you're watching the first half. By the time they go to halftime, you got late first half of the second one. Right, By right. the time that's over, you're back to the other game. And it's, uh, you know, it just works. Yeah. Meanwhile, you got your bubby, Bruce Pearl. One of the great coaching Jews in basketball (laughs) history. Am I right about that? Well, I I, I hesitate to use the word great. Um, I would say that that, uh, some of the things he's done are not necessarily to be proud of. Okay, let me back up. Best Jewish coach in basketball history. Not even close. Red Auerbach. Red Auerbach, yeah. All right, who's number two? Who's number two? Um, Red Holtzman might be uh, might be there. All right. Anyone um, of modern vintage? Modern vintage coaches. Um, I have to think about. So my that. point, not... my point, I guess, is not totally invalid. That Bruce Pearl is one of your tribe members who is doing well, even after getting what looked like a death penalty sentence of rules violations at Tennessee. Right. No, he is. He is able to somehow, you know, go from school to school, you know, game the system, get the players, and it's worked. I mean, but look, Sally Jenkins wrote a really good column uh, during the week where she pointed out, you know, they had this incredible academic scandal in North Carolina. So if you're saying that the black hats beat the white hats there, you're not really, you exactly. know, dealing with reality here. Right. You know. It's just Roy uh, is more Teflon-coded at North Carolina. Oh, dadgummit, I, I didn't know about those classes where nobody was studying and they were turning in papers for him. I, yeah. We 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 really tell, tell our players to do this. It is all bullshit. Bruce Pearl is a hustling, self-made guy who can apparently charm the skin off a snake if needed. Yeah. And there's yeah. something yeah. to be said for that. So. Yeah, I mean, it, whatever whatever the system is, he's made it work for him, uh, and he's now what in his late fifties. Yeah. So if 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 he does get banned for life when they finally catch up to him, uh, he's made a zillion dollars and and he's won. So you know, what are they going to take the wins away from him? What does it mean? Meanwhile, I had forgotten. You know, this guy Chris Beard, who coaches Texas Tech, he yeah. was one of these fifteen day coaches in 2016 where he took the job at UNLV. Then Mm -hmm. Tubby Smith left Texas Tech to go to Memphis. And guess what? He quit UNLV and went back to Texas Tech. Yeah, well, the the, the football coach at, at Miami did the same thing. Right. The uh, Fernandez is, I think, his name. He went. He was the assistant coach yeah. at Miami. He got the Temple job, <laughs> and, and then, then the Miami uh, coach op- the job opened up because Mark Rick retired. Mark Rick resigned, and, and 15 resigned, days later, yeah. he took the Miami job. Yeah. It's... They, you know, and, and, what, and then the kids, the kids transfer, and they go, "Oh, he's got no commitment." <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is bullshit. They, they need to allow more player movement, which there are now with this transfer portal. Pretty much. You put any excuse, like, my dog is sick. Oh, I want to transfer schools. Okay, granted, you don't have to sit out a year. Uh, So so that said, looking forward to the uh, Final Four coming up this Saturday. Let's switch gears to baseball. By now, have you read the Barry Sverluga piece in the Washington Post about 
Bryce Harper and how the negotiations to stay in that deep into free agency fell apart because it's a fascinating read. Oh yeah, well it's, it starts off great. He's he's called into the manager's office during a game. I guess it's in a rain delay. This is the last and- last home game Bryce Harper is going to play as a net at the end of this yeah. year, late September. Been raining all game, and there's a rain delay in like the eighth inning. And he is summoned into the manager's office, not knowing what's going on. He opens the door. Manager Davey Martinez is not there. Instead, it's the entire brass with the ownership, old Papa Lerner at 92 years old, his son Mark, who's running the team, a couple other suits. And they sit down and they say, here's an envelope, meaning here's our offer for you once the season ends. And Harper was so stunned he didn't open the envelope. He then, you know, texted his his wife during the rain delay saying, Yeah, that was weird. I just got a business I just got my contract proposal during a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that so weird? So was that a schmuck move or was that a boss move? I think that's uh, or is that a, a learner son. move? <laughs> yeah, it's a learner move. It's a father-son duo who made a zillion dollars working with contractors. And I think those are similar games that they play with, you know, guys who are going to do a bunch of painting or electrical work or whatever they're doing in their buildings. Surprise them thought, with okay. offers at weird times? <laughs> yeah, and just and just sort of a, it also kind of smacked of of Don King when Mike Tyson would get suspicious of King stealing his money. And King would come over and dump out a duffel bag of $100,000 in cash on his bed. Meantime, he was stealing, you know, right. $5 million right. at the time from Tyson. I don't think they were stealing, but it was it was like a, it was a move like that. Hey, kid, you know, why are you still in uniform? Take a look at this. Yeah, so, and, so you know, Harper. They, they knew it was going to go to Boris. Harper said that uh, he didn't open the envelope. They're like, don't you want to open it? And he was yeah. like, well, the game could start again, so not like right now. And they said, okay, fine. They shook hands, and then he opened it afterwards, and he he was initially kind of positive, or so Harper said, saying, yeah. okay, this is a good start. We can work on this. We can build on this. I think I'll stay here as a national where I like it and everything else. But then the learners apparently did not want to negotiate off of that. Boris apparently didn't call the learners. It was a stalemate. They went into free agency, and they had no leverage. There was no teams pursuing them very vigorously. And it was two days before Christmas that Harper decided to fly himself down to Palm Springs from Vegas on his own mm-hmm. chartered plane to go meet with the learners to try to put the deal back together. And according to this story, Harper again had a good vibe saying that Mrs. Lerner, Annette, said, Ted, get the deal done. And at that point, it told his wife, that's it. We're going back to D.C., and the offer that came in a week later was West. worse, a West, lot yeah. worse than the other one. Yeah, I, I think when they handed him the envelope in the manager's office while he was still in uniform, they knew he wasn't going to accept that, and they knew they weren't going to go up. That was just a way of saying to the fans, hey, we made a, a reasonable offer, huh. and we understand. Hey, if he, guy Gazint, if he wants to get $400 million on the open market, we understand. This is what we were going to pay. That's what, what that was. What that was all about. What floored me about the piece, and if you want to read it, it's in the Washington Post. Barry Sverluga wrote it. Uh, you have to subscribe. You should anyway. Good journalism is worth paying a little bit of money for. Uh, basically, Harper then said, "Well, after that second offer was worse and had more deferred money, that's when I realized 
I got to spend more time focusing on my meetings. And I'm like, you fucking moron. <laughs> this was the pivotal moment of your baseball career. You were going to break the bank, set the highest mark ever, and you had no plan going in. You're saying, well, maybe I will go back to Washington. He said he didn't even consider going to Philadelphia until the new owners of the Phillies flew out to Vegas to meet with him in February. That's right. not having a plan, Andy. He wasn't prepared for this. Or he's not being honest about what he really wanted in free agency. He claims, oh, I wanted lots of years. I didn't want an out. I wanted to get be done with all these questions about where am I going to play. Bullshit. You and Boris wanted the most money ever. And there's nothing wrong with that, but just say it. Yeah, no, they, they supposedly, what Lavero's, Tom Lavero's sources tell him, is that they wanted to get an out clause in the deal with the Phillies, and they said, well, we're not giving you $330 million. See, getting past the 325 was the most important thing to Boris. Yeah. That's what he wanted to puff his chest about because he got by Giancarlo Stanton's off of money of 325 That yeah. was what this was all about. And it took, it took three extra years on the deal, from 10 years to 13, yeah. to get to that number. And it took abandoning an out clause, which you know he would have wanted, because that's what it was going to take. Otherwise, he just wasn't going to get that money. Yeah. I mean, look at look at Tom Brady now. And, and Harper's got to look at the way athletes train. And he might have said to himself, you know what? It's better to take 300 at 10 years because, you know, $10 million a year, if I'm still, you know, hitting you know, 280 with 35 home runs, I'm going to get more than than $10 million a year over those three years. Yeah. See what I'm saying? So he, he, he shortchanged himself by adding those years on. You know, maybe maybe he'll be on the downside. But if he keeps himself in shape, maybe he's still a productive player when he's 41, 42. Who knows? Uh, I don't know about that. I, I, I would be willing to bet anything, though. He does not finish his career as a Philly. Well, I think there's going to be. No way. way his, he's, no way. He's wired, and the way those fans are wired, when, when things go bad – I don't think he's just going to brush it off. I think he's going to internalize it, and I think they'll get to a point where he's going to say, you know, I really can't stay here. This is not working out. Yeah. It, it, it'll be at some point they'll trade him, and he'll agree, yeah, you know what, it's time for a change of scenery. It may be nine or ten years in. They may have won a World Series with him. Uh, he may have mm -hmm. been worth the money they spent, but there's no way 13 years from now he's still a Philly. I don't buy it. Well, also the, the, the no opt-out thing could work to his benefit in that uh, he make, makes him more tradable. Like he has a no trade clause, but he could waive that to be traded. Let's say the Yankees want him and he really wants to play for the Yankees. Well, the Yankees, he's attractive to the Yankees yeah. because he can't go there for two years and opt out. Yeah. He's off to a, a really good start. Two monster home runs uh, with yeah. a, with a borrowed bat, which is always yeah. interesting to me. And he comes to town Tuesday night for the first of 10 games in D.C. And I'll tell you right now, Andy, he's going to be easy to hate. <laughs> he's going to oh, yeah. be no, easy he... to hate. <laughs> but but in, in a way, in a big way, baseball needs that. I mean, Mike Trout took his money, and you're never going to hear from him again except putting up these fabulous numbers. Right. And when he sits in the stands at the Eagle games. Harper <laughs> keeps himself out there. He's... Yeah. he's He's the most visible uh, presence in, in baseball right now. Yeah. 
And I love how your your uh, weekend partner, Mr. Lavero, says the Nats should place the DC Strangler, aka Jonathan <laughs> Papelbon, the the closer who choked Harper for not running out of ground ball late in a lost season, right behind the 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 home plate or right behind the dugout as sort of a sign of, oh yeah, welcome back. Yeah. Well, look, look the the out the falling out from that was. Uh, nobody on the team said we can't have Papelbon back next year. Look what he did to our star player. They were all so, like, "Yeah, pretty boy needs yeah. to fucking run." Yeah, I mean, they, they, yeah. what what Papelbon's position was was not wrong. Choking him probably wasn't the best way to handle it. Right. But his his stance on Harper was shared by others on the team. Yeah. All right. That said, let's close with some Redskin talk here. They kicked the tires on wide receiver Kenny Britt on Monday. Did not sign him. Uh, the former Tennessee Titan, uh, New York Jet, I forget who else he's played for, was out of football last year entirely. And I just couldn't help but think, what the fuck are we doing? What are we doing, Andy? They are busting open parking meters. <laughs> That's what they do. You know, these are bums we are bringing in. We already have one guy that they signed in Dominique Rogers Cromartie, who was also out of football last year, all year long. Well, he quit in midseason. Let's give him credit for that. He played seven seven games for the Raiders and then quit. Yeah. Okay, so he quit. Then we picked up a guy in Eric Flowers, an offensive lineman, who was cut by the Giants in the middle of the season. He was so bad. They literally the ninth pick of the draft. Ninth pick of the before. draft. They cut him in the midseason because he literally was a turnstile. A folding chair would block better than Eric Flowers. He goes to Jacksonville and Tom Coughlin to try to reunite and get some mojo. And at the end of the year, they're like, you suck. We're not resigning you. And now the Redskins have picked him up. Yeah, yeah. That's all they can get. Antonio Brown doesn't come here. That doesn't happen. They get bums because it, that's all they can get right now. The, why don't we get young guys? Young guys well, who have some, some. Okay, but why don't we get young guys that have upside? This reminds me. I remember. I remember this distinctly. Bruce Allen, when he first came to town, Andy signed in one off season these three players: um, Willie Parker, formerly of the yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers, running back; Larry Johnson, formerly of the Kansas City Chiefs, running back; and Joey Galloway, former Seahawk, former Cowboy. And all three of them shared the same common trait. A, oh, they're fantasy football guys you may have heard of. And B, they're shot. They can't play. And sure enough, I think Willie Parker didn't make it out of August. Larry Johnson didn't make it out of September. And Joey Galloway didn't make it to Christmas. Right. And I remember distinctly the one of the only times we had Bruce Allen on the show, I asked him point blank, I said, how many catches do you really expect to get out of Joey Galloway? And you know what his answer to me was? Do you remember this? No. He says to me in that smug-ass, condescending way, oh, what is this, a fantasy football show? Oh, God. That's what he said <laughs> to me. Jeez. And I wish I had just, I wish I had the balls to say, you dick. <laughs> you suck. But at the time, at the time, he was replacing Vinny. This is 2010. At the time... Didn't we have high hopes that we had an actual oh. NFL executive in charge? Well, the narrative was, okay, Dan's through with the nonsense. He's hired a real football guy. 
And what he got was Vinny with an extra button unbuttoned on his top. That's, that's right. That's, he got he got he got slick Vinny with a pedigree background because his daddy once coached the team. Right. And and unlike Vinny, who couldn't shut up, he never says anything. Exactly. So, oh God, Andy. I, I just don't know. I, I I have no idea why. I mean it's we already we brought back Adrian Peterson for another year. I was against that move. Yeah. Were you in favor of that? Well, the way the contract I saw, it's it's very friendly the first year. Okay, but so it's, money aside, is that a yesterday idea or a tomorrow idea? Another year well, of Adrian Peterson. It's not it's not the reset button that I know you want and I agree with, but they're just not going to do that. And and they're they're under some ridiculous fantasy that they're going to trot out a few name players and people are going to flock to buy tickets again. And and that stadium is as empty as it was last year with the efforts of the Jeez. La Famina crew. Uh, it is going to be a waste, a ghost town this right. year. There's Nobody's going to those games. Yeah. I'll give you one, though, that uh, I would have preferred. Uh, the Eagles just traded for Bears running back Jordan Howard. Yeah. They gave up only a sixth rounder. And Jordan Howard is 24, not 36. Or no, not 36. How old is Adrian Peterson? 32? Adrian Peterson is 30. He'll be 33. 34. 34 okay. next season. All right. Jordan Howard's 10 years younger, and he is coming off three years of an average of about 1,000 yards of production. Sixth-round right. pick, that to me is the kind of move I wish we would make because there's an ups- there's some upside right there. If you ask me, yeah, but, but you got to re-sign him. He's probably in the last year of his rookie deal, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean they have no money. They have their money is tied up in a quarterback who won't play. Yeah. They, they, they can't they can't get anybody. They oh, they 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 which which they as have... we head towards the draft in less than a month, when do you think the big lie about Alex Smith's return to football finally gets put to rest? Um, I think maybe mini camp. Um, how d- I mean, like here's the big question I have for you, Andy. How deep do you think the Redskins, in cooperation with Alex Smith, will carry this notion of "Oh no, I'm still working on my comeback"? Well, I think they have to, and, and he's he's not going to retire anyway. So there's no downside of of him, you know, not not saying that he's still going to try and play. Okay. I I just as a fan, I'd like some finality on this. I would like You're not going to get it because no. because there's no reason to. He, well, I think there's he, reason to retire. I think there's reason to so we can mentally focus on the road ahead. I don't think it's I good. Suppose. I don't think it's good to have well, maybe Alex is coming back hanging over the franchise's head for a year plus. Yeah, but the, the, there's no no way around it other than Alex Smith saying I'm retired, and if he does, I, I believe he forfeits about six million dollars. Well, then, so then he's not going to do that. Then the team should settle with him. Well, they should. Yes, I agree with that. But they that's should not say, they "Look, do. we're going to give you ninety percent of your money. Let's go ahead and do this now because we want to set a clean direction for where we're going." Yeah, no, yeah. I agree. But that's not. Then Bruce Allen admits he screwed up, mm. made a big mistake. And that's not going to happen. <laughs> You're right. God yeah. forbid you should admit it. Better to just he, keep he, whistling way, Dixie Allen, 
Whistling Dixie that, oh, no, Alex is working hard. If anyone can come back, it's him. And then not take any questions and go hide for another six months. Right. And also in the, in the round of interviews that he does once a year at the owners' meetings, did you follow his answers to the questions about the stadium? No, I didn't hear that. Uh, it was it was like last year. Oh, yeah, we're right on schedule for that. We uh, – we we think we're we're going to be just fine. Everything's in fact we may be ahead of schedule this year. Nothing imminent on the stadium. Meaning, Maryland said take a hike, and Virginia is never going to happen. And the district is now saying, you know, we don't want to deal with this guy because look, we we may even build him a new stadium, and based on the number of people showing up at FedEx Field, we may have a half empty place. That's not going to look good for us either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. It's going to be quite a year. Andy, good to talk to you as always, and uh, we'll chat next week, brother. Thanks. Very good, Dave. We'll end on this today. Matthew McConaughey had a new movie come out this weekend, and it's a complete bomb. It's a movie called Beach Bum. It made $1.6 million total. Oof. Writes showbiz411.com Is Matthew McConaughey going the way of Johnny Depp? Beach Bum marks lowest opening of career and latest box office failure. They write, it's been five and a half years since McConaughey starred in Dallas Buyers Club and won an Oscar for it. No, it was not a hit movie. It only made $27 million, but it vindicated McConaughey as an actor and instigated the phrase McConaissance. I don't know that phrase, McConaissance. The quirky Texan was on a roll. He also had a show-stopping appearance that year in the movie Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, or whatever it was. All of which added to the illusion of Matthew McConaughey as a star. McConaughey's jumped on a train now occupied by Johnny Depp and Nicolas Cage. His name has value as a celebrity, but not as an actual actor. His movies are all flops in one way or another. Of course, nothing will beat Sea of Trees, but that movie was only released into two theaters. Sea of Trees. Of all of Matthew McConaughey's wide or semi-wide openings, Beach Bum is the worst. But do recall other bombs like White Boy Rick, Serenity, The Dark Tower, and Gold. And let's not omit Free State of Jones. Matthew McConaughey's only actual hit was Magic Mike back in 2012, which crossed the $100 million mark but was also an ensemble piece. This is why we see Matthew McConaughey in Lincoln car commercials which have paid the bills and turned him into the Ricardo Montalban of our generation. Deep Corinthian leather. Is there a way out of this? How about a reboot of Crocodile Dundee, writes Showbiz 411. <laughs> yes, the uh, Lincoln car commercial with him playing pool is just so ridiculously classic. His, his dinner guests are like, oh my God, I, I don't think I've ever seen this before. And then he goes off by himself to a pool table, playing against himself and executes some crazy masse type shot where he curves the ball around. Wow. And then he just drops the stick and drives off in his Lincoln 
as an international man of mystery. I've proved my point here. Time to go home. (laughs) I guess real life is truly imitating the classic scene from the famous Family Guy episode about Matthew McConaughey. You are just awful. You're one of the worst actors in the history of film. And I think that you need to go away. Oh, thanks, man. The truth is, I spend at least 90% of my year going away, exploring exotic places, having sex with my beautiful girlfriend, just doing sit-ups. I mean, that really... And then counting money. Money that I've made off the terrible films that I put out into the American populace because they just love to see me doing what it is that I do. Yes, but you're not hearing me. Dazed and confused was the one thing that was passable. After that... Oh, thanks, man. That actually launched my career. After that... Everything else was awful. Contact, they, they, they didn't even need you in that movie. They could have done the whole movie without you. I know, I said the same thing, but they were just like, oh, we need a good-looking guy with a great ass and some tight abs to just provide some down-home enthusiasm in this picture. Something to counterbalance Jodie Foster. They took her to be uh, slightly cold, uh, unapproachable, you know, so they put me in there. I said it didn't make any sense. Said, th- said the same thing about that uh, Bill Murray elephant movie, but they were just like, all the audiences need you. You make me physically sick to my stomach, and I wish that you would get a heart attack. I totally feel you, man. Truth of the matter is, I I don't like my movies either, but, uh, man, they just keep offering me money, and I do it, and then I get to go around the world. I mean, do you see Sahara? (laughs) But I'll tell you what that movie gave me was an opportunity to take an Airstream all across the country and sell that picture one person at a time. You suck donkey ass. Now, you can't prove that. That'll be a wrap for today. Thank you so much for listening and downloading Podcasts Are the Future. And I appreciate you be parting. Uh, appreciate you being part of this one. Don't forget, you can get Fridays for a mere five dollars a month. It helps support the entire venture. If you like to freeload or can't afford it, then just be my guest and keep listening Monday through Thursday. Email me at zabe at yahoo.com anytime you like with feedback, ideas, and anything else. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have yourself a great day, and we will see you next time. Oh, there's nothing quite like the smell of fresh blood upsets in the month of March. The 12-5 stunners, the 11-over-6 buzzer beaters. But most of the time, what do you get for that? A dash of I told you so at the water cooler? Oh, look at my bracket. I nailed that one. Great. Wouldn't you rather get paid instead? At mybookie.ag, you can and you will. The 12-5 upset when betting with my bookie is a take your girl out to stake dinner winner winner and right now when you sign up for an account my bookie will match your deposit with a 50 percent bonus here just have 50 percent more why not use promo code zabe charlie zulu alpha bravo echo at mybookie.ag to activate we're all going to be in office pools and that's fine nobody's going to get the perfect bracket we know that but you can make a killing at tournament time by seeing the big mistake coming and pouncing so let's go, people. My bookie will match your deposit with a 50% bonus. Use promo code ZABE to activate the offer. You play, you win, you get paid. Only at mybookie.ag. Hello, Discover here to explain our cash back match. Here's how it works. We give you cash back for using your Discover card on the things you were going to buy anyway. Then we match that cash back in your first year. And that's why we call it cash back match. Now to recap, and say cash back one more time. 
We match all the cash back you've earned at the end of your first year automatically. Discover. Exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. My go-to order at Skyline has always been a regular three-way and cheese coney. But today, I made the switch to five-way. Those hearty beans and diced onions took it to another level. From now on, I'm a Skyline five-way guy.